Hey everyone, welcome to The Geek Awakens, where the talk is geekier than faking your own death to be able to binge Disney Plus in peace. Uh, I'm Mitch, and joining me tonight is Matt. Hello. Tabitha. That was an option. And Lydia. That's like taking the snow day to an extreme, what the heck? There's a lot of stuff on Disney Plus. And- I know there is, and I'm very excited to look at it, but that's a bit extreme. I'm sure there's probably somebody somewhere who actually thought about doing this. I'm, Dear work, can't come in today. I'm dead. I'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it might work. <laughs> no, it is funny that you mentioned that, though, because I, like, I opened it at midnight, Tuesday night, before I went to bed and started scrolling through, and I came across something from my childhood, and I legit almost started crying. <laughs> what was it? Out of the box. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even no. sure what that is. It was one of the like Disney Channel kid shows. It was like crafty and stuff. I don't know. I just oh. remember watching it and I was like five. So, huh? That's awesome. I'm definitely making my nieces and nephews watch this now. <laughs> well, if you like making your nieces and nephews watch stuff, uh, then be sure to subscribe to us pretty much wherever you get your podcasts, mm. including iTunes, Google Play, or Podbean. Uh, really like what you hear? Then throw us some bones on Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/TheGeekAwakensPodcast. <laughs> Any questions, comments, or concerns, shoot us an email at thegeekawakenspodcast at gmail.com. I have a concern. <laughs> Where do you come up with this stuff? You know, especially the last few weeks, like, it's taken me, like, I'll be staring at my, in front of my computer, I'm like, okay, what can I do this week? What can I say this week to annoy my, my closest and dearest friends? <laughs> <laughs> and I wonder why you guys are all I have left. Aww. <laughs> That makes sense, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So before we get started on everything that we have to talk about today, uh, Lydia, do you have something that you would like to share with the class? I mean, I might be leaving you guys again for a while. I'm sorry. I love you. You were back for two weeks. I'm sorry, okay? (laughs) Why are you leaving again? Well, because I kind of auditioned for Annie Get Your Gun, and I might kind of possibly be Annie Oakley. Congratulations. Yes. Thank awesome. you. So give us the deets. When, where? Um, and it's going to be at Hoagland, uh, and it's going to be January 10th through the 12th and 17th through the 19th. Nice. All right. So congratulations. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. I'm very sorry that I'm going to not be here very much for a minute again. I mean, if it was for like any other role in Annie Ginfugan, I'd be like, come on now. But like, <laughs> if it's the lead, I guess, I guess I'm going to let this one slide. Thank All right. you. I'll write you a note. Okay. Mm. I said you better. She might get her gun. <laughs> exactly. Ooh. <laughs> <That can laughs> Mostly be... because that's the second gun oh. comment we've made tonight. And the first one we weren't on air, so I couldn't give a uh, shame though. So first yeah. one goes, that's not the fastest shame. Last week was no. the yeah. You didn't even get to talk. Yeah. And I was already shaming you. <laughs> you didn't even talk. Like literally all, all you that came out of you was shame bell. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> Let's start with uh, gut reaction, because over the last week, we've had a ton of trailers come out. So, first one is one that I've been kind of anxious for. It's the second trailer for Sonic the Hedgehog. We've got a good look at Sonic's redesigned look. He looks a lot better. Um, the The movie itself, it's still kind of cringy, but Sonic looks so much better that I'm more okay with it. It was like, it was like the old Sonic was, I, you know, like, you know, when you go to the dollar store and you're in the toy aisle <laughs> and it's like, the toys are just different enough to evade like copyright infringements. <laughs> it was that. Captain USA. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> and now he's actually Sonic, you know. <laughs> First he was like Speedy the Porcupine. Now he gets to actually be Sonic the Hedgehog. Um... <laughs> I'm I'm still I'm giving this a thumb sideways, but I'm way more optimistic now than I was with that first trailer. So yeah, Lydia. I agree. He looks a lot better now. Um, yeah, the movie itself still looks hokey as hell, but I'm definitely gonna go see it, even if just to be in support of. Hey, you messed up when your design. People are upset. You listened. You changed things. Good job. So. Thumbs up for that, but thumbs sideways for the movie itself. Tabitha. 
I don't know that I want to watch Jim Carrey play Jim Carrey again. (laughs) It it makes me tired. But I agree with you. Uh, Sonic does look a lot better. And I'm so glad they got rid of those weird human baby teeth that were in his mouth. Those are so so uncomfortable. So thumbs up for the redesigned Sonic. Thumbs down for the rest of this because it looks awful. (laughs) (laughs) Matt, I mean, the combination of the baby teeth and that weird nose, Mm. not okay. It was, I mean... Um, thumbs up on the redesign. Um, I have a feeling that if my two boys see the trailer for this, they're going to want to see this because it does look that kind of fun, entertaining for them. But in general, yes, it looks like Jim Carrey's playing Jim Carrey again. So thumbs sideways on the movie as a whole. Uh, Matt, let's get invisible. <laughs> That's like my goal in life. Same. <laughs> um, so there is a remake of The Inv- Invisible Man. This one is coming from writer-director Lee Wanell and Bloomhouse. So it's going to be darker, going to be more scary. It centers on Cecilia Cass, who's trapped in a violent, uh, controlling relationship with a wealthy, brilliant scientist. She escapes, blah, 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 blah. Turns out he finds a way to turn himself invisible. This looks kind of like your typical horror movie. Like, it doesn't seem like there's going to be a whole lot of character development, a whole lot of plot. Um, But as far as overall creepiness, it looks like it's probably going to be pretty, like, on edge for most of the film. For most of the film. Um, So just based on that alone, I think I'm going to go thumbs up on the possibility of what this could be. Yeah, agreed. Um, I'm giving this a thumbs up. It was was weird. Like, at first, like, I got more into it the more i watched the trailer um at first i was just kind of like eh, whatever but you know it's still it's like huh i i I'm, mm. I'm interested to see where this goes lydia i didn't get to watch this one um oh, yeah, but right. kind of based off what you guys are saying i want to see it before i give a like true idea but mm-hmm. for now i'm gonna go thumb sideways just because <laughs> this looks like hg wells written by all of my favorite guilty pleasure mystery writer novels (laughs) so i'm kind of here for it also i love elizabeth moss and if anybody can do what it's happening it's gonna be her um i'm gonna go thumbs up on agreed what the possibility of this could be um also um something that's creepier than we thought it was gonna be uh we got a trailer for fantasy (laughs) island uh oh man this movie or yeah this trailer was just like just I yeah just like (laughs) like you see these people like they come to the you know this island and it's you know supposed to be like paradise utopia or whatever and then oh hey we're gonna make your wildest fantasy come true and everything turns real real dark um I I don't know like I I'm like 85% here for this but like at the same time it's kind of like it's one of those things where it's like if I feel like they are using the Fantasy Island name to get people in, mm-hmm. but I'm still, I'm kind of mostly in. Lydia. I mean, yeah, it starts out and it's like, oh, everything's kind of happy and cheerful. And then as soon as she said something about like making her like bully in high school, like pay, I'm like, oh boy, this is, this is not going to end well. <laughs> and it, yeah, it went very, very dark from there. And I'm actually very interested in seeing like this play out. So Thumbs up for me. Tabitha. Maybe it's just the inclusion of Lucy Hale, but this looks like ABC Family does horror movies, and I'm not okay with it. <laughs> like, I felt like I was trapped in a really awful episode of Pretty Little Liars, like circa season five, and I couldn't get out. Like, that's that's my absolute like definition of hell. So, thumbs down. <laughs> Matt. Um, I'm going to go thumbs up because, one, Michael Pena. I mean, I hope he tells a story in this because let's see how, see how that's going to turn out. I'm also a huge fan of the idea of these horror movies that are more bright and daylight, which this definitely seems like it is. If you can make something scary in the daytime, mm-hmm. um, more props to you. I think that's fantastic. Um, I, I kind of like the the dark, twisted pull on the whole Fantasy Island Thing. I never watched the show, but I kind of had an idea what it was about. So this takes that theme and perverts it. Um, so I'm going to go thumbs up on this idea. Um, Matt, let's go uh, color out of space. So we knew about this a while back that uh, Nicolas Cage, 
God help us, um, <laughs> was working on a, an H.P. Lovecraft movie. This is that movie. It's called Color Out of Space. It is basically this strange object lands by their farmhouse and weird, bizarre, creepy things start to happen. I'm going thumbs down on this one, even though it's my trailer, because one, Nicolas Cage, like we said with Jim Carrey, he's playing Nicolas Cage. Like, I watch this trailer, and I'm like, there are certain things that he says, which he says in every movie in the same tone, and they just could have been a little bit different. And two, H.P. Lovecraft is dark. It's brooding. It's cosmic horror. And I have a hard time feeling that Nicolas Cage is going to be able to pull off the atmosphere that's necessary to do an H.P. Lovecraft story justice. Yeah. Um, yeah, agreed. I'm, I'm going to have to give this one a thumbs down as well. Like, uh, it's, it's Nicolas Cage playing Nicolas Cage. And I was like wondering at what point he was going to try to steal the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lydia, I know you didn't get a chance to uh, see this one. So we'll skip over to Tabitha. <laughs> no, that's good. Uh, I am also giving this a thumbs down. Um, Mostly because my problem with Nicolas Cage is not that I see him in any of the, like, National Treasure movies. I see him in Peggy Sue Got Married, and I can't get that out of my head every oh my time gosh. he opens his mouth. So every time I look at Nicolas Cage, I just think about him at the prom yelling at Peggy Sue. Like, I can't get past it. So I don't want him to be at the prom yelling at Cthulhu. So <laughs> I would watch that, though. Huh? I would watch that, though. Maybe not Nicolas Cage, but, like, just somebody at a prom yelling at Cthulhu in a prom dress. Exactly. That I'd watch, as long as it's not Nicolas Cage inside the prom dress. Yes. <laughs> oh, no, I'm at Cthulhu in the, yeah. in the prom dress. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I still don't want Nicholas Cage yeah, no. there. <laughs> He's not invited to the prom. <laughs> he didn't get a date. He didn't get a date. That sounds Aww. right. <laughs> um, next up, it's uh, DC Universe's Harley Quinn. This this trailer, I'm sorry, Tabitha, looks fun. It's it's kind of it's just that amount of humor that's just it's out there, you know, whatever. I'm not a hundred percent for sure that it's for me, but I think this trailer is enough for me to want to at least watch the pilot. So I'm giving it a thumbs up. Tap them. <sighs> this looks fun. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, it is breaking that crappy, horrible Harley Quinn trope where all she does is do things to make the Joker happy. And in this, he's finally gone too far. She's realized he's been using her and she is done. I don't know who wrote this. I don't know who's in charge of this, but they're coming for all the like patriarchal mm. DC bullshit and I'm on board. <laughs> if I could get all my Harley Quinn movies like this, I might actually care about Harley Quinn, but unfortunately I cannot. I keep getting pudding in booty shorts. <laughs> so, <laughs> thumbs sideways. I can't go th full thumbs up. I just can't make myself do it, but thumbs sideways. Matt. This trailer was shocking for me. Because this was not what I expected. Um, basically just echoing kind of what Tabitha said. Yes, this is Harley Quinn breaking all of those tropes that she has been boxed into for so long as Joker's right-hand muscle. Um, she's not fawning over the Joker. She's standing up to him. She's trying to put together a crew to basically take him down to prove that she's worthy. Um, which was... Absolutely the opposite of what I expected from this trailer. Um, so I'm going to go thumbs up because if they can keep up this kind of Harley Quinn, God help us if we ever get that old version because that, I mean, this version's way better. Uh, the last uh, trailer is for Scoob, which is the Scooby-Doo origin story. Uh, I'm going to just start off thumbs super way down. Um, first off, the... You know, at least they were able to, well, able to, they decided to keep the original voice of Scooby-Doo. So props there. But outside of that, like the voices sound off. I love Will Forte, but I'm sorry, you cannot do Shaggy. Matthew Lillard, like, is the voice of Shaggy for a generation. He should have stayed, you know, he should have stayed on. Fred looks up, looks straight up like a Ken doll. Um, <laughs> like, it, it's, it's weird because like the rest of the animation looks okay he looks like he's straight out of toy story 3 <laughs> <laughs> yep. um but yeah 
but it's just like it's just it's off i don't like it uh i will say like the the one part where it's like where fred's like are you telling me that shaggy and scooby got kidnapped and all those little robots like yep like that was cute that got a chuckle out of me outside of that (laughs) nah nah brah uh lydia quit bastardizing one of my favorite cartoons (laughs) Ugh, this made me so mad guys it like i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) you're right fred looks awful the voices are terrible and like the personalities are just so far off from anything to do with these characters like just just stop leave it alone quit trying to make it better because you just keep progressively making it worse and it's making me mad thumbs down stop it rut row tabitha <laughs> once for you once for the movie um <laughs> no mostly just once for you I don't like Scooby-Doo. I have beef with Scooby-Doo because I think it teaches children that all adults are bad. <laughs> and I think it's a horrible representation. It's like the boxcar children. Where are the adults? And when there are adults, they're bad. I don't get it. It's awful. <sighs> I took a lot of children's psych classes in college, guys. I've been... <laughs> like, I made a mistake. Um, they made Velma the only, like, reasonably intelligent character, a manic pixie dream girl in this, and I am unhappy. <laughs> Thumbs down. Matt. I am with you, Mitch. I cannot get past Matthew Lillard not being shaggy. It's just it's just not okay. Um, and as much as I love Scooby-Doo... This, I feel bad for Frank Welker. Yeah, uh, this just does not... I mean, it had a couple of chuckle moments in the trailer, but that's about it. So I'm going to go thumbs down. Do you guys want to like watch it when it comes out and like have that be like our uh, guilty, guilty pleasure, pleasure dumpster, dumpster fire? fire? Could do like a live, we no. live tweet it. Yeah. yeah, let's do that. No, no. Okay, fine. How uh, much are we getting paid? Yeah, because um, about that. <laughs> I say, do you just want to hear me rage? Because I feel like that's what that's going to be if we do that. I mean, I mean, kind of. People are going to need to throw some Scooby snacks on Patreon. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. So, <laughs> Tabitha, let's make your world so much better. Let's talk about Fantastic Beasts. Oh, three. thanks. <laughs> Can't wait. Okay, so it turns out that where you can find them for this third installment is in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Production is confirmed to start in spring of 2020, and J.K. Rowling has tweeted that it's going to start in the 1930s, which makes sense since the last one stopped in the 20s, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, all the original <laughs> cast members have signed on. Uh, very recently, we uh, were notified that Johnny Depp is indeed on board. There was possibility he wasn't going to be due to personal drama. Um, <laughs> this is... Presumably going to be taking place at Castle Bruxo in Brazil. It's the Wizarding School. Mm-hmm. And it is coming out in November on November 12th of 2021. I lost all hope for this franchise in about 30 minutes into the second movie. I wanted to love this. and I really liked the first one. And it has just became a Harry Potter shit show. And I'm not here for it. <laughs> and thumbs down. Matt. Yeah, I have to agree that this, it had such promise after the first one. The second one was a debacle. And as much as J.K. Rowling wants to continue to go back and retcon her entire universe, I feel like that's all that this is going to become. Mm -hmm. So thumbs down. Yeah. Um, Agreed. Like, I... I was interested in the first two, not ever enough to actually watch them, but just... Just hearing, you know, all the negative reaction to that second movie, it's kind of like, maybe it's time to cut your losses and run, but <laughs> eh, we're not going to do that. So thumbs down, Lydia. I'm going to try to give this a sliver of hope. Like, I totally agree with you. The first one was great. I feel like the second one, they just completely, like, took everything that they built in the first one and just went, oh, well, we don't need this, and tossed out the window. I want to hold out hope that the third one's going to, like, pick it back up a little bit, but I don't know yet. I'm going to wait and see what happens, so I'm going to go thumb sideways. Um, Matt, uh, let's talk about uh, an eighth grader who tried to fix uh, driving. Yeah, so... Awful segue. That that was, I mean... Was he driving a segue? 
<laughs> I should, probably should have checked my blind spot. <laughs> are there oh. blind spots on a Segway? I feel like there are. The like where your helmet's at if you're being safe. Or you know, like if you turn around while you're driving and you don't see what's in front of you and you run into something. I don't know. I feel like there are blind spots on or in any moving vehicle. Yeah. I feel like there's blind right. spots in people walking. That's definitely true for me. I run into stuff all the time. You do. <laughs> true story. Um, so, 14-year-old Elena Gassler uh, from West Grove, Pennsylvania, won $25,000 for her blind spot invention. Um, essentially, what it does is it takes cameras outside the vehicle, projectors inside the vehicle, to film and then display the images that the cameras see on like the pillars of the vehicle where your blind spots would be. It was done as part of the Broadcom Masters Competition, which is the quote-unquote nation's premier science and engineering competition for middle school students. There was a total of $100,000 in prize money available, uh, split between 30 winners. There are already car companies that are going, like basically saying, yeah, we probably should have looked into something like this. But she beat them all to it. Um, I'm going thumbs up on the idea, thumbs up on her invention. I mean, she's basically using technology that's already available and using it in new and interesting ways. So absolutely thumbs up. Yeah. Um, and giving this a thumbs up uh, for her, uh, thumb sideways, because I just, for, for whatever reason, like something tells me we won't see this used practically in, you know, in mass for a very long time. That's true. Lydia. Thumbs up for her ingenuity and invention and all that. Um, but honestly, all I'm picturing right now is like a sci-fi movie where like, <laughs> like you can see the whole picture, but there's just the outline of like where the pillar is. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know. It's it's weird, but it's cool. So thumbs up all around, I guess. Definitely. Speaking of someone who has an extremely short torso and every vehicle I get in, I have about 400 blind spots. Any invention that makes me have less blind spots or makes me feel like I'm not dying every time I get behind the wheel of my car gets a giant thumbs up from me. <laughs> this is fair. So uh, last weekend at the Vulture Festival, uh, most of the original cast of the uh, NBC comedy community got together, uh, mostly to you know talk about like the series... Um, like their favorite moments, like behind the scenes, you know, whatever. Uh, the moderator, uh, Point Blake, asked them, if, if you're not familiar with Community, when NBC canceled it, they had a, like, fans started a uh, uh, campaign or whatever for six seasons and a movie. They got their sixth season with Yahoo, or, yeah, um, but uh, but we've never gotten a movie. So the moderator asked about that. Series creator Dan Har- Harmon uh, said, basically, he was like, Said that, you know, hey, if, you know, like, who's supposed to do this? How does it happen? Like, who says go, you know? And then he also said, but if I write the script, then, you know, like, half the cast will back out, you know, whatever. So, Joel McHale <clears throat> um, said basically, like, he said it, and then everybody on stage agreed, like, if Dan Harmon writes the movie, they will all do it. So, um, I'm giving this a huge thumbs up. I never finished the, uh, the Yahoo season, but I mean, it's one of those shows, like if you've never seen it, you need to watch this show. It's so funny and I would love to see like a conclusion to it. So yes, please make this happen. Lydia. I know absolutely nothing about this, but if it makes you happy, thumbs up. <laughs> Dab them. Literally exactly what Lydia said. Is Community the one with the mom from Gilmore Girls in it? Or is that a different show? That's Parenthood. That's a different show. I don't know anything about Community, <laughs> obviously. Thumbs up for your happiness. <laughs> Matt, Community is one of those that's always been on my list um, to watch. And I feel like when they do reunions or things like that, that it really isn't complete and not worth doing if you don't have everybody back on board. Um, so thumbs up if they can get everybody back to do that. Um, yeah, the series, I believe, is on Hulu, including the Yahoo season. You all need to watch the show. It's hilarious. It's about, it's basically, it's about a community college. That sounds terrible. <laughs> <sighs> anyway. <laughs> you know what else sounds terrible? Having Godzilla on a t-shirt. Does it? Because I think it sounds fantastic. <laughs> um, so Mono, the t-shirt, co- or the... Uh, whatever, company, <laughs> has teamed up with Tohoku Limited to release a line of fully licensed Godzilla products. 
They will soon be producing posters, tiki mugs, and statues featuring not only Godzilla, but Mothra and other giants of Japanese folklore as well. Um, so far, they have released a few items from their clothing line, including a Mothra hoodie that is amazing and is like the greatest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, <laughs> with t-shirts and other clothing items, as well as these super awesome enamel pins featuring all of the monsters, will be available in December of 2020. We need more of oh. this. We need more old school monsters like brought into current pop culture because sometimes I think people forget about those original science fiction mm-hmm. movies, mm-hmm. especially these because they weren't American produced. I love this. Like it, I know that these new Godzilla movies and stuff have kind of like re like invigorated. Yeah. Like the love for these creatures and these kinds of films. But I think stuff is really what brings people in, especially the younger generation. Yeah. So giant <laughs> thumbs up. Matt. Um, I'm just going to go thumbs up on the idea, but thumbs down on the fact we have to wait until next, next year for some of this stuff. That's a really long time to wait. And I just hope that the marketing kicks up so that this doesn't fall out of consciousness when this actually becomes available. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm I'm here for a Mothra hoodie. Thumbs up, Lydia. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm also sad that we have to wait for this, though. So, yeah, thumbs up for the stuff and thumbs down for the wait. <laughs> How long does it take to mass produce stuff, guys? Come on. Right. Um, Matt, let's talk about a new uh, Ninja Turtle. So, I didn't know this until I found this article. <clears throat> but there is a new Ninja Turtle that is part of the crew. Uh, her name is Jenica. She is also getting her own three-issue miniseries. What does that look for? I'm I'm sorry. Was my eye roll so loud that you heard it? <laughs> it was. It was distracting. Sorry. Carry on. <laughs> um, the series will be written and drawn by Brahms Revel. It is going to spin out of the City at War storyline, which is going to end with issue 100, which will end in December. Her three-issue series will debut in February. They've got a little bit of her backstory already going on, but this three-issue miniseries will continue to look at that, her adjustment to her mutation, because she has just mutated into a turtle, um, her past, and then also uh, being tested by a world that's changing as rapidly as she is. I, As much as I like the idea of like adding the diversity to the turtle clan, I just don't really understand... I mean, I guess it's cool to have the backstory, but I'm going to go thumb sideways kind of just as a whole for this. Yeah. I'm going to give this a thumb sideways as well. Reading about this, and I've, I've actually, I've known about Jenica for eh, a few weeks now, but, um, but, uh, it's kind of made me not really mad at myself because, I mean, if you look at my to read list of comic books in my bedroom right now, like, I don't need to add anything else, but I am, it does make me a little sad that, like, I never kept up with this, this iteration of the Ninja Turtles. Uh, also, another reason why I'm getting this a thumb sideways uh, is that, let's be honest, the only female Ninja Turtle that's necessary is Venus de Milo. Uh, if you don't know who that is, Google it. Um, I You'll go down a rabbit hole, and I understand why they didn't bring her in, but I'm come on now. <laughs> Lydia. Yeah, I'm going to go thumb sideways as well. But my, I have a question, though. You said she just turned into a turtle. Was she human? Uh, she was part of the Foot Clan. Oh. Yeah. Part of the foot, part of the foot clan, then became an ally to the Ninja Turtles. Then needed a blood transfusion and got some blood from Leonardo, and yeah. that's what caused the mutation. I'm intrigued, but still thumb sideways. Tabitha, I'm annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am all for adding in, like you said, like diverse characters and adding in new storylines and whatever new characters, no matter what they are, especially when they're you know not your typical whatever. But at this point. It's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They've been around since Jesus. Like, they've been around for forever. Like, why? Like, I'm going to get off my soapbox before I stand uh, stand on it too long. But before I fall off of it, yeah. Uh, Hey, that's how I I felt Scooby-Doo. so tired of diversity for diversity's sake. I'm so tired of it. And that's what this is. A hundred percent. So, thumbs down. (laughs) In case that wasn't apparent. (laughs) So... 
Couple press releases just to go over shortly because we still got a lot of ground to cover here. Um, so Oni Press in uh, June of next year is releasing an all new omnibus series of Chris Onstat's uh, Akewood. It's uh, going to collect the complete comics. Uh, volume one includes the first 600 plus strips in chronological order. It's also going to have uh, additional material, uh, including things like recipes, short fiction, maps, posters, and uh, also never before reprinted comics. Wow. <laughs> So, uh, future volumes and special editions of Akewood uh, will be announced in the coming months. Uh, Z2 Comics, they are releasing, also next year, a Grateful Dead graphic novel. Um, the Grateful Dead Origins tells the story of the band's transformation from a bar band performing at, as the Warlocks to becoming the creators of their own sound and cultural movement. It's going to have be available in two editions, a standard edition and then a limited run collector's deluxe edition. Uh, the standard edition is going to have an um, exclusive download of 13 tracks uh, curated by Grateful Dead archivist uh, David Lemieux. Just some of the tracks are going to include uh, Walking the Dog, Hey Little One, Midnight Hour, Morning Dew, a bunch of different ones. Um, the limited run collector's edition um, will have the same download as a standard edition, but will also be bundled with a vinyl LP containing a previously unreleased live performance from the band. Oh, wow. So yeah, oh, uh, the cool. performance was recorded at the Fillmore West in San Francisco on August 21st, 1968. Wow. Um, also from Z2 Comics, uh, they announced that British rocker Youngblood, uh, that Youngblood's uh, debut graphic novel, The Twisted Tales of the Ritalin Club, sold out less than two weeks after the publication. Um, there is a reprint already on the way. And uh, let me just pull up the description real quick, just uh, so you know what I'm talking about. So the description of the um, Twisted Tales of the Ritalin Club. So it says that all pupils attending Black Hearts boarding school must be punctual, masked, and heavily medicated. Uh, the displaying of superpowers is strictly forbidden. Any pupils encountering Youngblood or any member of his so-called Ritalin Club are to seek a teacher immediately. Failure to, com failure to comply with any of the above rules will result in execution. Oh. Yeah. That sounds, wow. that sounds that, fun. That escalated quickly. <laughs> Very much so. Uh, finally, uh, Vault has announced a new line of, of pulp-inspired variant covers uh, called Pulp and Paint. It's going to draw from um, aesthetics of the pulp era of novels and magazines, things like that. It's going to debut with uh, the return of Vagrant Queen in January 2020. And then every uh, first Every new first issue from Vault in 2020 will also ship with its own unique pulp and paint variant. Um, there were a couple of um, uh, examples mm -hmm. uh, that are out there, so definitely check that out. They look really, really cool. Awesome. So, all right. So, a couple of uh, reviews that we got to uh, got to check out. Uh, well, really, just Tabitha and I got to check out, but you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, so, the first one is uh, Seven Days Number Two. So it came out yesterday. Gonna try not to be as spoilery as we were with the uh, with the first issue, but um, basically we are dealing with in this issue two we're dealing with the uh, aftermath of Noble's death. Uh, we get to see it from a lot of different angles, not only just from other uh, heroes in the Catalyst Prime universe, also David's now widow, and then also just from other like people in you know just normal regular people in this world uh we also did get to see more of the catalyst prime superheroes uh working you know like starting to kind of come together work together to figure out how to beat this you know this threat called the obsidian men i really really liked this i'm going to talk a little bit more about what i thought but tabitha what do you think um i really like this too i had a hard time at first remembering kind of what had happened in the previous issue because i am who i am but once i like got into the swing of things i kind of got invested um i really liked that they brought in those perspectives of other people because i don't feel like that's something you get in comic books or superhero movies like it's always focused on the people that it's you know portraying and the people that it is intentionally focusing on versus you know just someone in the crowd like a bystander or just the public's reaction to things that was a really cool thing to see included in this again i felt like maybe they were trying to do too much in a very short amount of time but i get why they're doing it they're trying to crank these out and get this you know this issue and this event over with and whatever wrap it up but i i i wanted more but in like more space mm-hmm 
Um, and kind of to echo what you're saying, you know, it's getting uh, perspectives of normal everyday people. I really like that they're including this uh, character called Camilla. Mm-hmm. Um, and like having her be not one of the main characters, but definitely like a main supporting character yeah. because we are able to she she is kind of like a surrogate for us and you know, i really like that we're able to see that i love that we're seeing more of these characters uh especially like you know with as the issue issue went on like each of them had their own cliffhanger mm-hmm. and i don't know if you guys are familiar with this uh series that marvel put out years ago it was like deadpool kills the marvel universe yes. yeah um like i almost am feeling like they should have named seven days gail simone kills the catalyst <laughs> prime universe because <laughs> that's what i felt like after you know reading the second issue i was like i was like like nail biting you know whatever there are other things that i kind of wanted to touch on but like i said i don't want to be as spoilery as as i was last month so <laughs> there's a lot to unpack in this very small issue there really is and i think that I agree with you, like, each superhero that they focused on had, like, their own, like, spoiler and their own cliffhanger and their own drama that was going on in this very wide story. That was really cool to see. Like, mm-hmm. like I said, I wish they'd had more space. Right. I will say, um, like, MVP of this second issue, I, I loved um, I loved seeing the interaction between Quinn uh, Credible, Quinn Credible uh, Cosmosis, and I it's Kayla is her real name, but I can't remember her superhero name, but like the interaction with those three, I really enjoyed. And I think Quinn credible is like MVP of this second issue. There's a lot of like banter in this one and I Mm -hmm. wasn't necessarily expecting it, but I think that like kind of cuts down on your tension a little bit and gives you like a little bit of humor to Mm -hmm. go along with the drama that's (laughs) happening in this. So, um, yeah, seven days, number two, it's out now. Um, yeah, if, and like we said before, like if you're not familiar with these characters, pick up issue one. I mean, it's yeah, it's it's awesome, and it's not Gail Simone is not going to let you be lost. Um, also out uh, yesterday from Vault Comics, it's Black Stars Above. Uh, basically, this um, this deals with a uh, young fur trapper named uh, Eulalie Du Bois. Mm-hmm. Okay, I was like Dubois, 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 whatever. Your, your name's got an accent in it. Your last name isn't Dubois. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> See, I was worried. Like, like my brain was like, it's Dubois. And then I was like, wait, no, it's not. Yeah, it's yeah. Dubois. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> At least I got the ulele part right. Proud of you. Yeah. <laughs> so um, <laughs> she, she uh, ends up fleeing her family. And ends up getting lost in a dreamlike winter wilderness uh, that harbors a cosmic threat. I liked this. It's you said it earlier, Matt, because I know you started. Yeah. To, it's wordy, mm-hmm. you know, and and that can be a good or a bad thing. I enjoyed this. I think especially for the first issue, it kind of needs to be a little bit wordy. Mm-hmm. So you you need to know what's going mm-hmm. on. Um, I kind of liked how you know, like Eulalie is just like almost like. F this, I'm out. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm I'm gonna live my own life. Oh, uh, I will say, like, as far as the art goes, I liked the art. My lone criticism, Eulalie and her mom, I get it, they're family, they're supposed to look alike. Mm-hmm. They look almost identical. I had the same problem. I kept going back, I'm like, wait, who are you? <laughs> I liked this. Like, this it has all of my like historical fiction, sci-fi elements kind of tied in together into one thing. And I loved how this was told like a diary format and you got to look at like her having these thoughts and then going back and crossing them out and being like, no, that's not right. And then correcting herself. Like, that's incredible. Like, that's something I wish we saw more of in not only comics, but books in general is because, you know, people are just like, oh, I have this fluid stream of consciousness. No, you don't. Nobody has a fluid stream of consciousness. How many times do we all erase things? Like, I like <laughs> seeing that. That was really cool. Um, it was wordy, but I like details. I like a fully fleshed out plot line, backstory, character base. Like, I'm a book reader, not a comic reader. So when you give me all those details, I get really excited. So <laughs> I want to see where this goes. So, um, Black Stars Above, number one, is also out now, so check it out. Um, All right, guys, we haven't done one of these in a little while. We're going to do a new installment of Guilty Pleasure or Dumpster Fire. Uh, Matt, why don't you take this away? So, for this episode of Guilty Pleasure or Dumpster Fire, we watched Lost in Space. 
1998 theatrical version of Lost in Space was based on the 1960s series of the same name. While the original won the hearts of a generation of sci-fi nerds, the film struggled to even win its opening weekend at the box office. During a burgeoning time of film reboots of old television shows, Lost in Space tried to launch itself into the universe of a new generation. With big names like Gary Oldman, Matt LeBlanc, William Hurt, Lacey... I Shabair. Always, Shabair. Shabair. I always butcher her last name. Sherbert. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely not it. No. <laughs> so you can do Shabert, but you can't do Dubois. <laughs> I don't think I th- my dad, the inventor of toaster strudel, would be very happy with you. <laughs> yes. Anyway. Okay. And uh, Heather Graham, along with over 900 shots of CGI, has the film floated adrift or docked into the space station of geek culture over the, the last 20 years since its release? <clears throat> All right. So, if this is your first time listening to an episode that has Guilty Pleasure Dumpster Fire, we ask four questions. Uh, what's wrong with this movie? Uh, how has it aged since the first time you saw it, if you've seen it before? Are there any redeeming qualities? And then finally, the verdict. Is it a guilty pleasure or is it a dumpster fire? Matt, since this was your uh, suggestion, (laughs) why don't you start off first? What was wrong with this movie? There were so many things wrong with this movie. They tried to take... A beloved classic. And granted, I have never seen the original, and this is the first time I've seen this uh, this iteration. Um, I also have not seen the new Netflix series either, so I have basically nothing to compare it to other than my dad loved the original series. Lasted for three seasons, but somehow, you know, was a mainstay. I read an article that was talking about how there were... 900 plus shots of CGI in this film, which at that point in time was just unheard of. Exactly. Um, As a number of things that are wrong with this film, I'm going to start there because that CGI was just awful. And I think it was awful then, not just now. (laughs) (laughs) Tabitha, what about you? Um, so, admittedly, the first time I watched anything Lost in Space was the TV show, but I thought I was getting... I saw the, like, description in the TV guide, because I'm 105, <laughs> and I thought it was the Swiss Family Robinson, just to be real with you. It is in space. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But I thought it was, like, the real Swiss Family oh. Robinson and got real excited, and then I was like, what are these people doing? Um, so, I had never seen this. Um Guys, I just can't watch anything with Matt LeBlanc, LeBlanc in it and take it any kind of seriously like i didn't know he was in it until the movie started playing and i was like what <laughs> so what's wrong with this movie is matt leblanc <laughs> his role in this movie is so bad and i know that it was one of those things like as an actor you occasionally try and find a role that's not like what you've done before to expand your horizons but matt leblanc is always just playing matt leblanc i mean matt leblanc is joey like that's <laughs> just who he is like there's just there isn't anything else and it's like joey is a space pilot but trying to not be joey it was awful <laughs> lydia what about you i disagree with you but i'll get to that later um <laughs> My biggest issue with this was, like, where it ended. Like, it just, <laughs> like, yes, the CGI was quite bad at times, but, like, the, I could kind of get past that for when it was made. But it's like, you go through all this stuff, and then, okay, that that's it? We're, we're just going to stop right there? Like, I'm, I'm confused, guys. <laughs> 100% I can almost guarantee that they were planning on a sequel. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm sure they and were. That's, and that's why they left it as open-ended as they did. But they didn't need to leave it that open-ended. Like, I literally, like, I saw the credits start rolling. I'm like, are you kidding? Like, that <laughs> that, that can't be right. Um, so, but they left so many things open. Like, you didn't fix his spider wound. Like, you're, you're just going to let him turn into that creepy-ass thing that he was just a minute ago. Like, you haven't addressed that. Like, what, what else did I write? They haven't done that. Like, do they ever get home? Like, what happens, guys? I'm not okay with this. You can't end it here. For me, the the writing was, like, 
the worst part about this movie. The dialogue is horrendous. Uh, I cringed at about 90% of Matt LeBlanc's lines. <laughs> Same. Yeah. I just kept wondering how long it taught the, it took them to teach him the big words he had to use in this movie. <laughs> what, was, what was the one that he said something and you looked at me like, that must have taken weeks to teach him that word. <laughs> See, and I disagree. Like, I, I think he actually pulled off like the the serious parts of it very well. Like, the problem is everyone looks at him and they see Joey. That's all they see. I've never seen an episode of Friends. I don't see Joey. I just see Matt LeBlanc looking like Matt LeBlanc. There. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but like, and then like we've also like the story seems to go nowhere for a movie about getting flung far into time <laughs> and space. And then it also, it kind of annoyed me how many times they flirted with the idea of saying, we're lost in (laughs) space, space. but they never actually say it. (laughs) And and finally, can we talk about the great value brand Star Trek The Next Generation soundtrack that we had going on there? (laughs) Because it was, it straight up was like, you know, like, hey, can I copy your homework? Sure, but just don't make it obvious. Like they like, put, that's what it was. They put like Gene Roddenberry like in the corner. <laughs> at, at that point, it was like Gene Roddenberry's corpse. Like, but, uh, oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> Still. Um, so the next question. So how has it aged from the first time you saw it? Um, I actually have seen this one before. Has anybody else? No. Okay. Mm-mm. I remember seeing this movie as a kid. But that said, I don't remember a thing about it. Like, when I watched this movie, like, nothing nothing seemed familiar to me. So, like, I don't know if I just, like, blocked it out of my mind or what. Like, I don't know if maybe I had a, you know, a minor brain injury, like, right after watching this movie. And then, like, but no, I, but, like, I really do. Because, like, I remember watching, like, the series. And, you know, like, you know, like on, like, Nick at Night or mm-hmm. TV Land or whatever. And then being excited about this movie. But, yeah, nothing. So, Yeah. Clearly, it didn't. It didn't resonate with me. Let's <laughs> just put it that way. Um, so let's let's move move on and talk about redeeming qualities. Uh, Tabitha, we'll start with you. Um, the little monkey thing was the cutest thing <laughs> in the world. Blarp. Hello. Where do I get <laughs> that, one? That blinked. Yes, it blinked like a yes. like a goat, but like on its side. <laughs> I want one. Like, the CGI of it was terrible, but I will travel into space for my own blarp. Like, I'm ready. Let's do this. That CGI was so bad. It looked like an unfinished 3D model. Like, it didn't look like they finished the textures on it. No, it didn't. It was not good. (laughs) Um, The other redeeming quality of this is, like, the internal jokes that just kept running through my own head while I was watching this. (laughs) Like, that was worth the whole thing to me. Like, I would sit down and watch this again. Just to have those all happen again, because at the end when he like the dad is saved and you know every everybody's fine, he comes running in and he grabs Will. He's got two other kids standing there, and he's like, "I love you, Will." And I'm like, "And none for Gretchen Wieners." Like, yes, I <laughs> the same thing. Yes. I'm like, come on. Well, you gotta think he just was dealing with adult Will that like became a psychopath because his dad abandoned him. Also, you never give somebody else your dog tags and then go on a mission. How are they supposed to identify your body? That didn't make any damn sense. It was his grandfather's dog tags. I don't care. The the grandfather was an idiot because it would have been his body that they couldn't identify. Um, (laughs) One thing real quick before we move on about the the monkey. Uh, This is what, like the third property that Matt LeBlanc has also starred with a monkey? (laughs) It was this... It was Friends, and then what was it? Ed, where there he was, was a the baseball player. The movie, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, maybe I'll there watch was, Friends. Uh, <laughs> I like a good. Ross monkey. had a capuchin for a yep. while. Yeah. <gasps> yep. So, but capuchins are assholes. Well, so is Ross. Uh, this is true. <laughs> Lydia, what were your? Maybe I don't want to watch Friends. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Gary Oldman is always a win for me. So, I mean, there's that. And like Tabitha said, just like the different things I was catching, not necessarily about the movie itself, but just like the people playing them and stuff like that. Like, I didn't realize until about 15 minutes from the end of the movie that Penny is freaking Eliza Thornberry. Mm -hmm. And then my mind was blown because I was like, Gretchen Wiener is Eliza Thornberry. (laughs) So, like, I just kept going down these rabbit holes about things I was realizing about the actors and not necessarily the movie. But that was still fun. Um, I feel like the actors did the best with what they were given. I didn't hate the acting. 
but it was just like it was just like the the material was just so awful like you can only make it so good and i love they, you wife yeah. yes <laughs> yes come but, back to me professor but again, she's also a professor why does she just got to be wife he's <laughs> professor she's also a professor a was the 90s. B, <laughs> just the dirty look that I got when that scene happened. I'm like, I didn't write it. What are you looking at me for? But again. It's real salty. But again, that's, that's the poor writing. That's not necessarily the, the poor acting. That, but that's just me. Um, the CGI was, it did not age well, but I'm okay with it. Because it's like, eh, it was it was for the time. The movie, like about three quarters of the way through, um, it got better for me because I placed this movie in the Friends universe and this was actually Joey Tribbiani starring in this movie <laughs> and then I was okay with it. Also, ran- random thing real quick. I'm going to jump back a couple questions. Can I-, I realized something that I did not need in my life was humongous space spiders. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love a good humongous space spider. That's I don't like any kind of spider so that just needed mouth. to not yeah. be a thing. Yeah. I, lo- I love a good space spider. Like no. big creepy spiders in Ugh. space or like the woods are my jam for plot lines. The amount of times <laughs> I like curled up under the couch because of those things. Like, yeah. <laughs> Matt, what about you? Uh, so redeeming qualities for me, um, the character of Will, the kid, mm-hmm. and like the intelligence, the the robotics aspect of it, like him being able to like basically tame the evil robot and put his own kind of consciousness into it, um, and then his uh, like at one point they were battling the spiders and he um, said something about how the reaction time was too slow, yes. so he, like he like jumped into like the VR suit of the robot. I'm like. Like Will was all like Will was cool. Like mm-hmm. I thought that was great, and I know that I can't. We watched this in two parts. We watched mm-hmm. about an hour of it last night and an hour of it tonight. But for a two-hour movie, and despite the fact that, in all reality as a whole, the pacing is wretched because there's so much that happens, and all of a sudden in the last fifteen minutes, you're like, bam, time travel, we're done. Overall, like it didn't feel like a two-hour movie, and I don't know if that was because I watched it in two chunks. Or because there was enough going on, it didn't drag anywhere. I don't know. So. About last night when we hit pause and I was starting to fade, it felt about like a seven-hour movie. Maybe Because I why. felt like because I had been watching it, it for jokes. my whole life. Yeah. Well, I mean, I watched, I watched like 20 minutes of, of it on my lunch break and then I finished the rest of it like before I came here. Mm. So I can kind of speak for the fact that, no, it did not feel like a two-hour movie. Yeah. I watched the whole thing this afternoon. It absolutely felt like a two-hour movie. <laughs> <laughs> so the way to watch this movie is to break it in half. Yeah. Yeah. Good to know. Uh, so, all right. So the final thing, the verdict, Lydia, guilty pleasure or dumpster fire? Honestly, I'm going to go guilty pleasure on this one. I kind of liked it. Like, for all of its odd quirks and its bad writing, like, I'd watch it again. One other, one final redeeming quality that I didn't mention earlier, uh, that end credits theme song, like that was oh. trippy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> something straight out of the late nineties. But um, bitchin' late nineties end credits music could not save this. Could not save Lost in Space. It is a dumpster fire, Matt. This was just a hundred percent a dumpster fire. And the article that I read, it was talking about how Gary Oldman, in a lot of ways. Um, championed this. Like, he signed on before anybody else. He did this because he wanted to do something where he was a bad guy that his kids could watch. Because he'd already been, what, Hans Gruber mm-hmm. at that point. So that wasn't something his kids could see. It depends so, on the kid. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a Christmas movie. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I got to go dumpster fire. Just dumpster fire. Tabitha. So if I had watched this when this came out, I would have probably been obsessed with it yeah. just because of who I am as a human. But watching this now with other things in the <laughs> universe to watch that are very spacey, this is a dumpster fire for me. <laughs> there you have it. The the majority wins. Lost in space is a dumpster fire. <laughs> I've been outvoted. <laughs> Story of my life. Aww. Aww. All right, so we've only got time for like maybe one or two more stories. Do we want to visit the Lin Manuel Miranda news desk? Or beep, 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 beep. <laughs> we haven't done that in a while. <laughs> or do we want to um, discuss voting with your phone? I want to talk about voting with your phone as much as I love my husband, Lin Manuel Miranda. <laughs> 
so that means like you're what you're you're married to Lin-Manuel Miranda. No, I mean like you're just like kind of like you're undecided. No, no, I what? No, she's saying that she wants to talk about. The I would rather talk oh. about voting. Oh, okay. Lynn would rather I talk about voting than Lynn. <laughs> she's wow. probably not wrong. I'm not wrong. Hey, probably right. Um, part of my notes for my Lynn Manuel Miranda story uh, say further proving that he is the best human alive, and again being the greatest superhuman alive. So I feel like he would rather I talk about voting than how he's amazing. Fair enough. Yeah. So, <laughs> so there is. A eh, kind of a push, not really, but um, West Virginia and then counties in Utah, Oregon, and Colorado are at different stages in implementing a new internet voting app that will allow overseas and military voters to cast votes on their phone. There's, there's differing opinions, and I want all of your opinions on this. Democratic uh, Senator Ron Wyden of Oregon said, he, uh, quote, I believe it's about the worst thing you can do in terms of election security in America, short of putting American ballot boxes on a Moscow street. <laughs> so um, he said that on the Senate floor uh, earlier this year. There's more I'm going to uh, that I want to unpack a little bit, but like just your initial thoughts. What do you guys think about this? All technology can be hacked. Also, if they implement this somewhere like Florida, we're all screwed because they can't figure out their voting anyway with just <laughs> yeah. regular ballots. All technology can be hacked. It's just, it is what it is. There's no unhackable technology. It doesn't exist in this world. So putting it, any kind of democratic voting system on a hackable device in this day and age is absolutely asinine. Like, it makes no sense. Like, why... Why? I mean, I like the idea of people being able to to vote that are not, you know, here. And I like the idea of people, you know, who are overseas or whatever, not having to do like write-in ballots, whatever, and having having it easily accessible on their phone or on the internet, whatever. But it's not safe. It doesn't make any sense to me. Agreed. I wish we lived in a time when we had unhackable technology because it would make things easier. I would be a lot more willing to go vote because I hate standing in my polling place for 400 hours while Martha can't figure out how to work the damn thing. But <laughs> is that really a thing though? Like I have Every never- time, every time, Mitch, every time I get behind every old woman in the entire town of Springfield and they're, excuse me, from behind the little curtain because I can't figure something out. Every time never fails. And then I'm there for half my day. Like I, if have, I could do it on my phone, I'd be very happy. But like I've, like you know, I've moved around a bit, you know, in my time. So like I've been at various different polling places. Mm-hmm. That has never happened to me, and it's not like, and it's at, I go at different times during the day. Like like I don't think I've ever waited in line every time. It's <laughs> never failed. Huh? Never failed. Local elections, presidential elections, doesn't matter. Every time, hmm. without fail. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, I agree with you though. Like when we have issues with paper ballots being like incorrectly counted or messed with and stuff like that, putting it in the hands of the internet just does not sound like a good idea at all. Um, Matt, what are your initial thoughts? Uh, essentially, I have to agree that the accessibility is a great thing, whether it's for military or for those that are just living overseas for whatever reason. Um, I think, I think that's a fantastic idea because accessibility I think is part of the problem with, with, if it's on your phone, you know, you, they could set up push notifications to like, Hey, it's time to vote. All you got to do is hit the notification. The app would pop up. You could cast your vote 10 seconds and you're done, which the convenience of that, I think, would drive voting numbers up, mm-hmm. which would be a good thing. I can't argue with the fact that the world that we live in, with everything being so hackable, that there's no... Safety net. Yeah, there's no safety net. There's no... I mean, there's accountability, but like how... How do you regulate something like this? Especially, especially when, you know, like, you know, especially like national elections, they're not put out by the, you know, by Mm -hmm. the United States. Every state does their own. Mm -hmm. So like, right. So it's, it's very difficult to, to, yeah, to have a uniform way to 
you know, to have these safeguards or right. whatever, especially if you're going to go this route. Um, <clears throat> Nimit Sawney, I believe is how you pronounce this, uh, it's, is the uh, co-founder and CEO of Votes, uh, which is helping to kind of spearhead this. So um, Sawney said that there are two mindsets when it comes to thinking about ways to improve voting. Mm-hmm. Um, one is uh, like the threats are not going away. Quote, uh, you can hide from them and say we would go back to the dark ages, but that's a negative, very negative outlook. <clears throat> then goes on to say, uh, we are on the other side of the security community where we believe that just because the internet is never going to be 100% safe doesn't mean that you can't use modern technologies to make it safe enough. I'm sorry, but when you're talking about things as important as voting, there it is no such thing as safe enough. No. My biggest concern with the hacking is that if you have systems that are set up in not not remote locations but not and they're not necessarily secure locations but stable locations like where where polling places are and those things are being hacked mobile technology is just easier than stationary technology mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. hack so that's like when and when and how can you ever prove that it's safe enough air quotes that you know that it's gonna be okay yeah one other quote and then we're gonna kind of tie this up and this comes from sheila nix who is the president of tusk philanthropies uh which is an organization to that's aiming to expand mobile voting sheila's idea or whatever is just that it kind of like what you guys were saying earlier about convenience in mobile voting uh it says that uh, if you look at congressional primaries, the voter turnout rate can be as low as 11%. And then with uh, the gerrymandering, it means very few people are electing members of Congress. Uh, Nix then all, also goes on to say that she hopes that more jurisdictions uh, begin to offer a mobile app voting uh, option for military and overseas voters, kind of like we were talking about. But then after that, it wants it wants to um, uh, expand that to include disabled voters and people voting in remote parts of the country. This is the one thing that really kind of irks me. <clears throat> she says that, uh, she goes on to believe that, you know, like she feels that younger voters won't vote without one of these apps. She says that it just seems hard to believe that they're going to, they're going to go into a system where they're going to go into a polling place or the vote by mail system when they don't have a good understanding of stamps. I think at that point, like, I'm sorry, maybe I have more faith in America's youth than to think that they're too stupid to vote the way that we're doing it now. I mean, I think the 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 voting system is failing. The voting system has been failing since the 1800s. Like we have other like outside influences have been able to like impart their own like whatever on each state's voting system. And I mean, when I first started voting, like I was like I have to like go somewhere and stand in a line behind all the old Catholic ladies in their depends in line because that's what always happened to me at the church. But like I just I don't know that this is the way to do it. There's got to be a better way or there's got to be a more universal way to do it. Like I fully support the states being in charge of their own whatever for their state elections. But when it comes to national elections, if we had something like that was an umbrella yeah, yeah, for all of the states, it might be easier to control. But you're not going to tell me, like, again, going back to Florida, that every 90-year-old grandma who lives in a trailer park in the winter is going to be able to go in there and figure out how to use their app. Like, you're not – you have too much too much generational gap between people who are just voting and people who were probably voting for their last time to get everybody on the same page right now. It's just not possible. No. I mean, you're talking to me, though. I'm all for, like, can we go back to a feudalist system? Like, can I get a monarch? Like, <laughs> I'd rather have one person in charge of me than a bunch of people who are, like, the same people as me. Like, give me a lion, not a rat. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Seems fair. Right? <laughs> I will say, in terms of voting via your phone or whatever, that is what got Sanjaya as far as he did on American Idol. That's all I'm going to say. No, I thought that joke was a lot funnier. 
See, in that we case, we live what? in 2019. You can't make jokes about the political system in relation to American, <laughs> to American Idol. Idol because it frightens me <laughs> to my to my core. Because then you're going to have somebody like accidentally vote in like I don't know Kanye or something, and then we end up with Kanye as a president. Like that's what's going to happen. Wait, wait, wait! I'm going to let you finish. <laughs> See, but that makes me think of like Taylor Swift's nice man. I am. <laughs> See, that makes me think of what uh, Gabriel Iglesias said, though, like, going off the American Idol thing, just, like, get the candidates, put them on TV, about half an hour into the base, just put up a number on the screen, have people call in and vote that way, like American Idol. It's it's fine. It's totally not fine. (laughs) (laughs) That's how we get the Hunger Games. Do you want the Hunger Games? Not really. I mean, I'm too old to be reaped at this point, so, I mean. That's true. But yeah, give me give me a paper ballot all day, every day. Yeah. Make me fill in the circle. Not going to lie for a second. I thought you were going to say give me liberty or give me death. <laughs> that nah. too. All right. Um, <laughs> remember, remember the 5th of November. Don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, um, let's end this on a quick, quick, happy note. Lydia, let's talk about Mr. Rogers for 30 seconds. Okay, so a hospital in Pittsburgh... Um, they dressed up six newborns as Mr. Rogers, kind of dual purpose. It was World uh, National Kindness Day. Also, um, his widow was coming to visit the hospital that day. Aww. So they dressed up six newborns in crocheted cardigans and sneakers, and it is absolutely adorable. Aww. And apparently when she got there, they also like had the entire staff singing mm-hmm. um, the theme song the theme. for... <sighs> the show so it was just an all-around good day and i love this and we need more things like this to happen in the world yeah yesterday was national kindness day i did wear a cardigan but i wasn't kind to anyone so i did it like half my job oh. you know if it was national cardigan day you would have rocked it true <laughs> but she still wouldn't have been nice to people though. can we get a national snarky bitch day is that a thing <laughs> i feel like it has to um what's your birthday again august 4th <laughs> we just figured it out <laughs> I'm putting that on my calendar. It's not going to say my birthday anymore. National Starkey Bitch Day. <laughs> I cannot wait to celebrate. Me either. <laughs> so I tried to Google National Snark Day and it pulled up National Snack Day instead. I mean, I'm okay with that too, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Snacks, snark. Can that also be on my birthday? <laughs> sure. I mean, it's your birthday. Really, it's whatever you yeah. want. You're right. <laughs> So that is all the time we have for this episode of The Geek Awakens. Uh, We'll be back next week, but in the meantime, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter, where we'll be posting news throughout the week. While you're there, give us some feedback and tell us what cool stuff we're missing out on. From all of us at The Geek Awakens, thanks for listening, and we hope we'll be back next week. Everybody, say bye. Bye! Bye!